Hey, everybody, you're listening to NC Shop Talk, brought to you by NC Carpet Binding. I'm your host, Mal Mayer. If you want to learn from some of the most innovative people in the industry and laugh a ton, then this show is for you. So let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. And as always, thanks so much for tuning in. We're inching closer and closer to SEMA. And many of you are locked into the dreaded SEMA crunch, which sounds so cringy to say SEMA crunch. And I'm sorry I did that. But moving on, it seems like there's actually more trimmers who are venturing out to SEMA this year. And that's really good news. I'll be there on day two walking around with Randy from Warren Giles. We'll be posting our locations all day, giving away some pretty sweet prizes to those who can find us. And it'll be our goal to visit as many client cars as possible. So if you have a car and you're out there or you're part of a build, please message me or Randy. Tell us where you are. Give us your company name, booth number, all that good stuff. And we're going to try like hell to get to everybody. We'll make our way to you because we're going to be dropping hints where we are and hopefully bring, you know, bring a handful of people or a crowd with us. So please don't sleep on that. All it takes is a quick message on Instagram or text and just mention your booth number and we're going to try to be there. Like I know... For instance, someone like Circle J Custom Upholstery is doing a 32 Ford in booth number 127. That's all we need, and we'll be there. We will, you know, do our best to get you on the schedule. If we can't, come find us. And we're calling that Finding Mal and Randy. If you do find us, we're going to have some good stuff to give away. I know Moran Giles is giving away two to three leather hides, which is sweet. And C will be giving away a big old basket of things that we sell to the auto community, which will include new upholstery and carpet scissors, a cordless leather and carpet cutter, sewing feet, NC shirts, paint protection tape, and French seam tape underlay. Things like that. We're going to put a big old basket together, ship it out to a lucky winner, and we may even have some giveaways to give you when we get there. And you got to find us to win. You can't enter without it. So hunt us down at SEMA on day two, probably between 9 and 2 to 3 p.m. And we think it's a good way to meet a lot of you guys that we didn't meet before or see old friends and old customers that we know and we have met, you know, and if it brings some attention to your guys' interiors and your work that's on display out there at SEMA, even better. All right, kids, on to our next episode. I'm hoping our next guest sheds some light on a subject we really haven't touched on all that much or really at all. And that's the preliminary thought process of design and renderings. There's so many ways you can go about getting a job done. As little kids in school and even growing up, we were taught how to, you know, quote unquote, brainstorm. Our next guest has taken brainstorming to the next level for complete car builds as well as auto interiors. He's provided designs and renderings for an impressive who's who list. There's too many to list, but I'm going to I'm going to give you some real high profile guys and companies here. They include Mopar, Kevin Hart, Joe Rogan, Russell Westbrook, and countless others. His work has been featured in Hot Rod Magazine, and he's won a boat ton of awards, including the Ford Design Award, various SEMA Awards, the Chip Foose Design Award, and two AMBR Awards. NC Shop Talk welcomes in Tavis Highlander of Highlander Concept Renderings. Tavis, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Mal. I appreciate it. That's a quite an intro. I'm glad you like it. I try, you know, and, you know, we've had this before where Tavis and I aren't particularly close. We've spoken on the phone once uh, or mostly via text message. So 
we're going to be feeling each other out as we go along here. And I just want to do you justice and, you know, help promote your business and mainly for our audience selfishly, you know, help people to learn maybe something they haven't looked into or thought about. Maybe it's something they can use down the road or they can recommend to somebody who really needs it, you know, which is what business and small business is all about helping each other, learning every step of the way and picking up some new things. And I'm hoping that's what the podcast has done. And we have had some people tell us how it's benefited them. And, you know, that, that makes it all worth it for me anyway, because you could do it far more eloquently than I can, Please tell everybody about your company, what it does, and the services you provide. Yeah. So my company is called Highlander Concept Rendering. And basically what I do is that first step of building a car or doing the whole interior. It's all about getting ideas down on paper and also coming up with those ideas, communicating them to your customer, to the shop. And that's something that's going beyond the napkin sketch of you know, here's an idea for this part that I can't quite make out where I come in is here's a whole batch of, you know, fleshed out ideas that you can pick from. And then we can go back and forth and fine tune things. And we can apply that process to pretty much anything automotive aftermarket related. Okay. And what programs do you use? Is it CAD based? Is it a, a multitude of programs? I use quite a bit. So it's whatever's best for the situation. So sometimes I'm using CAD and doing really, you know, accurate dimension stuff. Sometimes I'm using CAD just to quickly get shapes out there and work in a volume. Other times it's just drawing. I don't do it on paper anymore. I use a, a Wacom tablet and monitor. So you're digitally drawing so you can erase, go back, things like that. And then for doing the renderings, I do my painting my digital painting all in Photoshop. Okay. I assume you can sketch and draw with the best of them. Growing up, was that always the case? Did you enjoy sketching? Did you enjoy the drawing aspect? Where did you get your start as far as that side of things? Yeah, I, I always loved taking art classes in high school. And I, I think that's why I had such a good GPA because everything was take drawing, take painting, CAD classes in high school, you know, always good getting that a boost. For me, it was always gym. Exactly. Kind of bump up the average that way. But yeah, I was always drawing and, but even, even then it was like, you know, you like drawing cars all the time, but you really need to be doing that. You should be doing something else. And even in the college, maybe you shouldn't be concentrated on cars so much. You know, it's probably not what you're going to do. And I think those little things just, you know, poked me a little bit in the direction that I went eventually. Yeah. Heaven forbid you did what you liked. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So growing up as a kid, where did you grow up? What were you into? Was it always art? Was it sports? When did, you know, tell us about you as a kid growing up and into your high school years. Yeah. So I grew up in a little town on the Olympic Peninsula near Seattle in Washington. And by the time, let's see, the age of 12, I had my own business license. So I would do the open air market in town. I'd build like birdhouses and garden art and sell it to the, you know, it was a kind of a big retirement community. So all these people wanted to have cool things for their yard and stuff. And my dad had a construction company. So I would get like the, you know, the old chop saw that's getting thrown away. I could have that and bring that home. So I started making things. I think the first time I went, I made 90 bucks wow. and I was like, dude, I got all the money out. in the world. 
Yeah. Um, it was just like, I'm unstoppable now. Actually, all the, the people that were at the market were like, okay, he needs to pay for a full price booth because they had like three booths for kids to come and sell strawberries or something. And I, yeah. I was starting to make bank, you know, for me. So it was like, he needs to. And they started treating you like an adult. That's right. And then so I, I started like rolling it into like metal art. So I would do, you know, trellises and chairs and things like that. And so I learned how to be hands on and build things. And then uh, so you're, you're very handy and have that builder. You have those builder grade hands. And at the same time, you're, you know, highly artistic. So that's a heck of a combination. Yeah. I, I like riding that line in between the two worlds where, it, you know, I'm not the best fabricator hands-on guy, but I, I understand how they would think perhaps and how things get built. If we're designing something that needs to be machined, I can get in that mindset and think of, okay, design for that. Or when it comes to upholstery, what kind of tools do you have? Do you have a, a laser cutter, a CNC machine, a 3D printer? Okay. Let's go ahead and think like that then. Okay. When did you start taking your talent for sketching and drawing and essentially turn into a career? Yeah. When I was in college, the summer in between junior and senior year, you were supposed to get an in internship. And I had one that I was pretty sure I was going to get from Boeing and I didn't get it. And then it spurred me to go, God, you know what? I want to do this thing where I do drawings for guys. You know, at that time it was, you know, seeing that was probably 2005 or so you'd see a chip foose on overhaul. And I was like, man, I want to do something like that. And so I created my own internship. I made up a whole bunch of mailers and I made a list of people to send them to. And I sent out dozens and I got one reply, but that one reply was Steve Strope at Pure Vision. Steve Strope, and, yep. And he was my first customer. And he had a, I'd met him at a car show before. I was super nervous to even go talk to him. My dad had to nudge me. I'm a super shy person. And at that time at that show, he told me, yeah, you're, you're okay. Keep working on it. And so when he saw this mailer come out, like six months later, he's man, you really put your heart and soul into this. Let's give you a shot. And that just took off from there. And then it was just, you know, networking through him, all of his buddies, his contacts, and then just old school word of mouth. Right. You just took off. You're doing what you wanted to do. You obviously had the drive. And yeah, that's a heck of a place to start, though, you know? Yeah, it gave me a, a huge advantage, you know, because he was in tight with Hot Rod Magazine. So then I, I got in with the publisher there, and we were working on SEMA giveaway cars and corporate wow. promotion right from, right stuff. From the jump. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, I was working on these neat projects, but th the volume wasn't there. So it was like, was, wasn't making a ton of money, but it was like laying that groundwork of you can spread from here and grow. And so it was a, it was a really great place to start. Yeah, it's incredible. At the same time, you're, you know, getting better as you're gr going and growing and, you know, what better place than that, especially with the contacts, it definitely helped, but it was, you know, he wouldn't have given you that crack if he didn't see something in you. And obviously he was right. It's always good when someone sees something in you from the start. And that feeling of feeling wanted and someone seeing something special in you. There's nothing better than that. He's yeah. brutally honest. So I would have known if, if, if it wasn't doing it up to snuff or something, he, he's the kind that would just tell you. And that, yeah, at that point you need to listen. Yeah. Put your pride down and be open-minded. Okay. This is big for me. 
and it's piggybacking off what you just said. I skipped a couple of questions. More than just being hired for a job, you're essentially being entrusted to bring someone's dream to reality. How does that responsibility and really an honor make you feel? Oh man, that's when you actually do stop and think out of, you know, think of it more than just like going through the steps like you always do. And you go, oh my gosh, this person's going to spend God knows how much on this interior or this car. And it's if I don't make a couple of the right suggestions, it could go poorly. And, it, you know, it's not just me, it's always a team. So it's, I might make one bad decision and someone goes, hey, let's revisit that. But at the same time, the pressure is on, especially with a super high dollar build. If they're shooting for a big trophy or something, you know the company that you're going to be in. So you have to be at that level or above. So you have to shoot for that all the time. And it's a lot of pressure. That's for, that's for sure. Because I Yeah, for sure. They're coming to you with an idea and or a car or an idea for a car and ask or an interior and asking you to bring value, added value to it. That's going to set it off, right? That's going to yes. make it different That's been than what's been done before. So how do you attack every design? Is there a A to Z process you do? Or is everything different? Does, how do you attack? How do you attack design? It's a little bit more of a uh, practice of psychology at some point because you're trying to see how the person feels and reacts with certain things, and you're trying to get in their head a little bit to begin with. Because sometimes I don't have a clue where they're coming from if uh, some information is a little bit contrasting one another. So the first thing is just trying to nail down what basic genre is this vehicle in. Is are are we trying to go super modern, way out there? high-tech stuff? Is it trying to be more resto mod, but with a few slight little upgrades that the factory would have done so you don't notice it? Or is it, you know, mega vintage and so everything needs to fall in line with that absolute era that it would have been designed in, yeah. you know, hypothetically? It's, it varies for each one, but narrowing down that main genre, then I can attack from there. Okay. See, I'm not artistic. So my base-minded artistic side, and in my humble opinion, going from concept to reality is super complicated. It, it, and maybe for you, it's not. And for some people listening, it probably is. And to, to me and some of many of us, it's going to be a difficult process. And in, in my mind, a good plan is only as good as those who can execute that plan. I couldn't execute this kind of plan. Out, it, obviously, you've, you're proof in the pudding that you can, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you can throw a couple names out there, who in this industry do you feel has this process, not necessarily down to a science, but it's pretty darn good at it. Who do you see as being someone who's great going from concept to reality? Yeah, so there, there's two guys that I've worked a ton with, and that that's the only way I can really offer up true insight to you know who does it great. And who I work with a bunch right now actually do. He has me on retainer for a couple days a month is DJ designs. And he's really embraced the, the high tech end of everything. He's able to, to work with me and then he can shoot me like a whole 3d scan of the shell of a car before it even comes into his shop. And then he can throw ideas at me 
then I can sketch into that scan the idea so everything's proportional and we know it'll work. You know, and then he can send that off to his one of his CAD guys. Then they can come back to me and go, hey, what do you think about this? And we can go back and forth without even all of us being around the same car. Yeah. And then it's like you said, it goes from just nothing and then to reality. And he embraces, you know, bringing in outside ideas. And it's never, this is my idea and I own it. It's more, here's a couple of things to check out. What do you guys think? Is one of these a direction we should go? Then let's chop it up, modify it and make it work. I had literally, absolutely, positively no clue that you had, that Danny had employed you. And I sent a text out to some of the guys the other day, just asking for advice on what to ask and any you know, experience with you, et cetera. And Danny jumped right in. He was the you know, first one and, <laughs> you know, gave me a bunch of good points. So I actually have something in the, in their interview from him coming down the road, but we'll get to that oh. later uh, <laughs> in regards to styling cues. And this one, he makes almost every episode is from Chris at Bucks. In, in regards to styling cues, who, who's also a customer, how do you go about adapting to different builders and different interior shops? Do you fight it? Do you, you know, I'll let you answer. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's, like you said, everybody is totally different. They're going to have a different process. They're going to have different, you know, what they think is important, what they think isn't important. There's also going to be a thing of, do I need to actually detail out everything or do I just need to have kind of the big picture and leave some wiggle room in there? And, you know, and I think Chris, he's the kind that he has his particular style. I think he hadn't worked with anybody before to do rendering. Oh, no, he was, an, he's an, he was an anti-renderer. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have that yeah. in my notes in front of me. He is literally the anti-renderer. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, yeah. As he early as three or four <laughs> years ago, it's got maybe sooner. He was dead set against rendering. And when I was having you on as a guest, I'm like, she, she, should I text Chris and tell him I'm having you? And he's going to yell at me? Like, you know, because Chris is not a guy that holds back. And he actually told me literally yesterday or this morning that he does now use you and loves you. That's what he said. He can't yeah. recommend you enough. And sings your praises. <laughs> I was able to convert the the most devout anti-rendering yeah. artist. Oh, there's person, nobody so. more anti-renderer than him. I remember and the that, conversation. That's a testament to the the process, you know. It's and I think especially like how I work, it there's no ego there. So it's just, hey, what do you want to do? Am I gonna be a little bit more of an illustrator and toss in a couple ideas for you? Or do you need me to jump in there and come up with almost everything from scratch? Right. Just adapt. Right. Are, are you changing gears a little bit? Are you going out to SEMA this year? No, I, I don't think so. The main show that I go to is the Grand National Roadster Show. Yeah. I actually do a booth there, usually set up next to Ironworks, next to the Sloanaker competitors. Okay. Are you going to have renderings out there? I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of cars you've done out there. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, you know, a little display that I bring, only something that I can fit in a couple suitcases on the airplane. And, but, the, yeah, the thing is being next to the cars that I've worked on, and then it seems like a ton of the builders that I work with are there. Um, I'm hoping to have, I think, at least three cars competing for the Sloanaker Award this year. Yeah, it, it's just a great place where it's not as fast-paced as SEMA. Mm-hmm. And so for what I do, it it works out pretty darn Good. great. Yeah, I, I didn't mean exhibiting. I just mean attending. You probably have a million cars at SEMA. You can go there. Stop by, you could even stop by your, the cars that you've done just in my brain. This is how I work. Do a, whatever rendering you did for them, bring a cop, bring a little, you know, I don't know, like a 
you know, eight and a half by 11 rendering, get a little easel, give it to each customer. Hey, I don't know if you want to put this next to the car, have your name on it, information on the back. And you may, you're doing them a little solid, having something, you know, showing the concept to reality. And at the same time, it's a plug for you. Your art is incredible. So people are going to like it. It's not a horrible idea. No, that's great. No, and I've been to SEMA probably at least 10 times. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's how I actually got a lot of contacts in the early days was there you go. Yep. just going up to people cold and being like, hey, I did something for this person that, and I know you know, let's chat. I think- and that's how it works. You know, that's how it works. You have to be a go-getter. I've said it on the show before, you got to have that knuckle dragger mentality, lunch pail mentality, just go for it, get in as deep as you can, network, work real hard, hustle around. There's a show that I'm going for the first time this October in between SEMA and my aircraft show. So it's going to be a busy October. It's the Automotive Interiors Expo in Novi, Michigan. Now it's OEM only. So unless, you know, essentially you're an OEM buyer, Chrysler, Ford, Chevy, you know, everybody in between, you know, it's not something where the public is going. So it's super small. And I think that's a cool place where maybe you could generate more eyeballs from the OEM community on what you do, unless you already have a million on them and I'm out of line, but maybe that's somewhere you could pick up some huge, you know, clients. That, that That's a really cool insight because it, it's always stepping outside your boundary a little bit is what helps in being able to go someplace where it's not the yeah. same eyes all the time. Yeah. So it's, so you don't have to go like cool. me and spend too much money to, to try <laughs> I'll get you in there. I'll get you a pass and go and just give it a dance if you want to walk around and, you know, see what's happening. But that's what it's all about. A lot of guys miss the boat on it. Oh, I don't want to spend a thousand dollars to find out, yeah. you know, stay where you are. Keep doing yeah, what you're and doing and that's fine. So that's totally. And I'm a super man getting over like anxiety as a young kid and stuff. And oh yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Just terrible. So the idea of going up and talking to people cold is it has been like, oh yeah, it's just horrifying, just like crazy. But being forced to do that, otherwise you're not going to make a living. It's helped me, you know, break out of a shell. And now I'm, you know, doing pretty good with it. So it helps out. So sometimes, especially for me, if you are like, God, maybe I shouldn't talk to that person. If you have one little link that you can have with that person, mm-hmm. that, you know, and bring that up with them. Mm-hmm. To, Use that as a thing so you can go in and talk with them and you have something to start with, you know? And that's the beauty of cars is everyone that's at a car show loves cars. So it's pretty damn easy. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Okay. The way that I met Tavis is from Tony from Stitches Custom Upholstery. He was the first one to suggest you as a guest on the show. If you can, tell me about Tony, what makes him special and some of the work you've done for him. Yeah, Tony's crazy. He's like a sculptor. He can look at a silly drawing that I do, and then he'll just look at it, and then boom, he'll have a door panel done. And mm-hmm. I don't, I can't even understand how he does it, but he just he makes it happen every time. And yeah, he's great to work with. He's like the best person to. We, we hang out. We ride mountain bikes together on on the weekends. So yeah, he, he's great, and he's, it's been cool seeing him. You know, build his new shop. He bought a laser cutter so it's been fun like being able to design patterns and stuff for him every once in a while that he can you know cut these out or etch them Uh, so yeah he's a super cool guy and he's massively talented he is and i asked you that for a reason i want to see what you said 
and I love Tony. He's a great guy. And, you know, we met at SEMA a couple of times and he's literally in my top 10 of guys in the nation who I'd want to build an interior for me. His use of style, his use of color really speaks to me and my taste. See, I guess I can be artsy. Yeah. (laughs) What other interior builders out there do you love that maybe are lesser known? Are there some guys out there not quite on the, you know, you know, 30,000 Instagram followers level that you've worked with that you're like, geez, this guy's great. I wish more people knew about him. Is there anyone that comes to mind? I'm trying to think. Have you worked from Rick from Rick from Stitchworks? No, I did work with Circle J on one, one or two things. Okay. I've worked with Tracy Weaver, who is, you know, he's more one of the, you know, he's the big guys. Everyone knows Tracy. Yep. Exactly. Circle J is a talented interior guy. He really is. Very much so. Very hard to see a fly. I've never seen a wrinkle. I, you just don't see mistakes, which is you know, actually funny. We've talked about that before on the show. But uh, yeah, no, Tony is good dude, and he was really pushing for me to get you on here. So I'm glad he <laughs> did, because this is definitely a good you know, episode for us to have for our listeners. And it's you know something that we really haven't touched on before. But someone like Tony or you for what you do, and I want to stay on this, with color and designs, going with a bold color doesn't mean it's going to look good. Making a bold color look good is hard. And there's not a lot of people out there that can do that. Do you try to push the edge of the envelope with color? Do you, you know, when does color come into play for you? Oh boy, that's a tough one. The one thing is with um, doing all the drawings on the computers that I can change colors pretty quick, you know, so I can draw the whole thing in black and white and then colorize things so we can immediately go, man, what if we did this in all red and just do a version of that and then have that lined up next to a blue one and a tan one. And you can immediately go, man, that doesn't work. Or this has some promise. And then also have, you know, like the exterior rendering next to it. So you're looking at the exterior color, you're looking at the interior, you know, if it's a convertible, you see part of the the exterior and see how those all the colors play together and it all depends on the customer too like if it's push the envelope or go conservative so sometimes yeah i'll drop some crazy shapes with you know bright orange high highlights somewhere or something and it's it all just depends on you know what they want and also even if they don't ask for it i'll try to do a spectrum of concepts so like here, here's something conservative and then Here's middle of the road where I think you're probably going to be. And then here's something that's probably too much, but you, you never know. And it's all about having those choices that might wake up a new idea too. Yeah. I assume that you primarily deal with the builder or maybe even the interior guy or motor guy, whoever it is you're working with, because you've done renderings for everything. Did you maybe get a chance to work directly with any of these whole pro- high profile guys like Joe Rogan or Kevin Hart or Russell Westbrook? Nope. It's, it's all through the builders okay. with those guys did get to go to a party and meet Joe Rogan in person, which was fun. But as far as, you know, back and forth on the renderings, it's, it's usually more the builders are curating the, the drawings behind the scenes for their clients. So I get to, you know, use those names in a roundabout way for my portfolio. Of course, you know? that's who it's for. <laughs> so it's pretty direct, but it'd be pretty sweet. I, I couldn't imagine wanting to build a $500,000 car and not having some say so in the color or a particular style. You know, before I die, I have a, we've mentioned it before, a list of cars and I want a lead sled be, for sure. But they've been done so many times 
And I don't know how I would do it, but in that particular case, I'm coming to you and you're going to yeah. get me the lead sled I want. You're going to take the movie Cobra that what Stallone was in. You're going to take that lead sled, mix it with something a little more modern and a little different. But yeah, I would want to have some kind of say in it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it seems wild to, like you said, you're spending half a million dollars maybe on something and and let's just wing it. Um, I'll just it, see what you want. No, I'm yeah. sure, you know, Hart and Rogan and all those guys had something to do with it. It would just it would have been cool if you were able to tell, hey, this is Joe Rogan. Holy cow. You know, anyway. When a rendering project is presented to you, obviously every job is different. What is typically given to you outside of the car? I know we touched on a bunch of these things, but are you handed constraints more often than just run wild more? Or is it in the middle somewhere all the time? Yeah, it did. It's weird because you you would think it would vary with budget, but it's randomly all over the place. So there <laughs> there can be guys that are doing super high end builds where it's yeah, like these wheels and this color, and fill in the gaps. And and then other times it will be pages and pages of notes and pictures and all those things. And there's a happy medium. So I usually like to ask for a bulleted list of you know things about the car. Have you done Sheet metal mods. He said, what are the main things that I need to know? And then what are some inspiration picks or reference picks? You know, what kind of things do you like? You know, and then that helps, you know, if they send me a bunch of bright green Lamborghinis, I know, okay, this is your taste this way. Or if they send over a, you know, a British racing green Aston Martin, yeah, okay, well, a little different taste (laughs) that way. We talked about Danny from DJ Designs before. And like I said, he also raves about your service and your skills. And in his words, he said, Tavis's renderings are money well spent. They allow the builder, car owner, and interior guy to be on the same page. Can you speak to that, that continuity? You touched on it before. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, it's like a visual contract at a certain point for between builder and customer. Because otherwise you're just floating out in the ether of, I'm telling you I want this, and then how are you going to deliver it? What You just need a drawing in between there to go, yes, boom, approved. That's what I like. Or no, it isn't. And uh, yeah, spending a couple bucks with a designer is a lot easier than building a whole dash from scratch and then going, Mm-mm, don't like it. Got to redo it. It's time and money well spent. Do, do a little planning ahead of time and get some ideas on paper. Now, you told everybody the kind of programs you use and the uh, technological sketching. But if you're just doing, you know, regular sketching for someone out there who's never sketched before and then wants to do it as a good drawer, what you know, bread and butter sketching tools should they have? Or is there particular papers or particular pencils? What would you recommend tools to trade wise for someone doing it by hand? Yeah, by hand, just a good ballpoint, and then buy a nice uh, sketch pad, you know, from whatever art supply store, and then, you know, ruler and maybe some circle templates, things like that. If you want to step up to digital, it's not that hard anymore, especially like if you have a, you know, like a Surface or an iPad, one of the larger ones, they have really nice styluses now that act like pencils. And you can get free sketching programs. I think the one that I use a lot, Adobe Sketchbook pro is free still 
and it's fantastic. It has tools on it where you can do symmetry. So like sketch on one side, it mirrors it to the other automatically. Mm-hmm. Or if you're drawing a wheel, want to draw an idea for a wheel, you can do, uh, you know, set it up to you know, mirror things on five different axes. And so you're drawing like that at the same time. And it, it, all those things are out there and available. And that is free if you already have an iPad or something. And trace over stuff to begin with. Do, if you have a something that you want to modify, take a picture and maybe you can bring it into your iPad or something or print it out again and make it really light and draw over that. Then you have a, a framework to go with. Okay. You are a big podcast fan from what I understand. What are some of your favorite podcasts? What do you listen to? What do you tune into? So my, like my favorite comedy one right now is called Are You Garbage? And it's these guys in Philly that are comedians and they're just hilarious. They just berate people for what kind of mayonnaise they use or if they have a refrigerator in their garage or things like that. And I just love them. I got two of them in the garage, but go ahead. Heck yeah. I definitely fall in the garbage camp beyond that too. I like Lex Friedman for your kind of more science side, a little bit of an astronomy nerd. So I listen to Universe Today with Fraser Kane, you know, and every once in a while, Rogan. Yeah. A bunch of stuff like that. And then Tim Ferriss is a good one for, you know, getting business and investing ideas and how to, you know, maximize your life type stuff. Okay. I like sports to a certain degree podcast, but not necessarily that in a way they bore me, but history ones, like I love wild West characters and everything that transpired, you know, back in the late 1700s. So infamous America, I'm pretty hooked on. They have stuff on Billy the kid. They have stuff on, you know, Wyatt Earp and everybody in between also legends of the West. That's another one I do. And it's really boring. Jeez, that's what you listen to my kids and my wife. What's wrong with you? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, it just takes your mind off stuff. And I always like the, you know, the Wild West, you know, books, podcasting, mafia stuff too. I haven't found a good mafia podcast. They're annoying. And, <laughs> but I, I got to find a sports one that I like because I've hunted around and I just can't find one that I love. So I'm going to have someone out there that has a sports one they love. And I've listened to a lot of the big guys and they just, they don't do it for me. So I got to find something. That's how, if, if my wife wants to fall asleep, she just asked me about what kind of fighter aircraft did they have in World War II? And then, boom, an hour later, you know, I'm still rambling. And uh, seven minutes and, later, she's out. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm yeah. still going. She's sleeping. Yep. <laughs> All right. What's your daily driver? Uh, Tesla. Okay. Any toys yep. in the garage? Not, not right now. No, just mountain bikes. What toys do you want to see in the garage? Yeah, I want to have something, you know, since an electric car is the daily commuter boring, you know, I want to have something gnarly, but I want a family hauler. I I don't know the timeline for this, but some sort of wagon, I'm thinking. You could do that. that, Oh, my God. The Dodge Magnum? Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking old, too. Okay. uh, You're talking like wood grain? Maybe. Yeah, maybe something like that, but scary, you know? Okay. I want big power. I want to want to have the kids in racing harnesses when it's the right age. And uh, <laughs> and so we're now we're drag race. We're going from you know station wagon combined into a dragger. I bet you could sketch the hell out of that. Oh, uh, it, it would be pretty fun. Yeah, I did a, a project where it was it was a Grand Wagoneer, like I think it was a late seventies one, but lowered all wheel drive Hellcat. 
And I was like, man, I could get into that. Yeah. So. That'd be exciting. So I go get groceries and then, you know, blow 10 second quarter miles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. You know, a lot of this too, people don't realize that I tell everyone your family is really, who's going to like th- these podcasts. It's fun for them. It's fun for the kids, fun for your parents to hear it. So you have kids, right? I think you told me on text. Yeah. Yeah. I've right. Tell me about old. the family. Tell us about the family. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I work from home and then, so that means I'm around all the time to be able to go to the school bus and pick up my kids and stuff like that, which is really great. I have two boys, seven and a four-year-old and man, they, they are a hoot. It's a uh, never ending surprises of, uh, of what's going to happen. What are they and, into? My old, my oldest, he's really good at mountain biking, like has been since like age five. Like wow. I took him out there and like a bike that he shouldn't have really been on and he was just great. And, and navigate single track and all that. No problem. Oh yeah. Just fine. And it's really fun to go with. And he, so I'll bring him and then my four-year-old, I have a shotgun seat that goes on the front of my bike. So he can sit there and he has his own little set of handlebars. Yeah. And so we'll go ripping around doing that together. Yeah. And then my wife, she's a special education teacher. And that's, I think that's how she can deal with my idiosyncrasies and things like that. She's, she's geared for it. It seemed pretty normal to me, Davis. Come on. We, <laughs> gotta leave we a little just mystery. met. You're doing good with the anxiety. I feel like you feel, you sound, you seem relaxed. Oh, cool. Good. <laughs> Did you pregame with a gummy? Oh, no. Sorry. That's not a bad idea, though. It's not a horrible idea. This gummy craze is everywhere. I've never done it, but it's actually become commonplace. Yeah, it, it's weird. My my experience is they just make me tired, so I don't need them. <laughs> that's, all, that's all it does. So, all okay. Right. All right, let's close with this. You've already achieved a great deal, and you're not an old man. You're a young guy. What goals remain out there for you? What goals you, do you set for yourself? Is there anything out there that you're after, you want, and, and you want to do whatever it takes to get it? Yeah. I think the thing now that I'm really trying to focus on and shoot for is that kind of the result of this last year or last two years, I've gotten just crazy busy, like too busy. And it's like, how do you handle that? How do you maintain a life for yourself? where you're healthy and you get to spend time with your family and still do really good work. And, and so I've, I've brought on my first part-time contractor that, you know, is another designer that's going to be okay. working with me and I'm trying to just set that up where, you know, we can work as a team and it, I don't know how much that happens. I think most people are used to hiring one person in this industry. So hopefully it'll be nice to, have a a group of ideas together. And then, so I think my main goal isn't, I don't have num I don't have real numbers or anything or an award or something like that. Uh, Just going forward, it's fine tuning all the balance, you know, push forward, expand, but continue to fine tune everything to the point where everything's manageable. And I don't know if that's possible or not, but I'm going to, push for it <laughs> just to get better to get better and better is a good goal i don't think i really have any goals just oh, what do you want to do i don't know and just keep getting better you know land good deals make good relationships grow them help people and you know hopefully help people along the way and what i mean to me what else is there you know all the goals i really had in life 
when I was a kid, those are obviously long gone, but I guess the only goal I have every day is to be, you know, try to be a great dad and more than anything else. That's what I think about the most. Sorry to my yeah. wife, the kids <laughs> being young and impressionable. That's what I think about all the time. So yeah, as uh, soon as they show up on the scene, they're the focus. That's yeah. the, that's how it is. And that's yeah. how it should be. Yeah. And you want to do, you want to do your best in every aspect you can. So you make a, a nice model for them to look at and go, huh? There's no greater thing for me than someone saying, wow, your daughter did this. She's a really great kid, really supportive. And I can't believe your son did this. Did you hear what he did? No. Okay. Awesome. And then, you know, like last year I was in the principal's office for Dylan because a teacher was driving him crazy and my son doesn't take crap from anybody, unfortunately, and fortunately both ways. So I had to go in there and talk to the teacher, you know, not a bad thing. He's a good kid rolling his eyes, giving her attitude, you know, purposely not listening, which is fine. She was hot garbage anyway. I'm glad he did it. Um, <laughs> I get it. I've had teachers like that where I was really good student all the way through, but yeah. man, I could tell if I didn't like you. And it was like, well, guess what? I don't want to try that much this time now. Yeah, no, she was so, completely useless. Couldn't have cared less about anything but herself and not a forward thinker, not someone that had any intention of helping the kids outside of, uh, you know, showing up every day. And I don't know if any of my, you know, kids' parents tune in, but if they do, I hope they tell her because it would feel great that I <laughs> get through that grapevine. But I'm sure I'm not the only parent. And we had a handful that I've already, you know, talk to and say, yeah, she really is pretty, pretty horrible. But listen, I got sidetracked on that for a second, but I am so glad that you came on here and, you know, blessed us with your knowledge and your, you know, really forthcoming about how you do things and your, your processes. And is there anything you want to add that I forgot or anything you want to tell anybody that I didn't think to ask you? No, I don't know. I guess the main thing is, you know, even if you don't use me for a project, try to use somebody. And there's a number of guys that are really good out there. And there's also even, you know, I get emails from students that are, they want to get into cars and how do you do that? And I like drawing and man, even having a young kid that just shows up with a lot of passion and you give them one job or something to draw something up for you. That, that's something too, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to that go-getter, you know, mindset mixed with pet. If you got the passion with it, then eventually you're going to become really good at what you do. And if yeah. you can find a young kid that does that, no matter what part of your business it is, you can really help. He can really help you if maybe not in the short term as much as you'd like, but similar to what happened with you and Steve just blossomed because yeah, he, he believed in you. So that's big. All right, buddy. Thank you for coming on. You were awesome. And I hope you liked it. Oh, thank you. You made it painless. Good job. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Thanks so much, Davis. Thanks for listening in today, everybody. If you learned something new and liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe for more NC Shop Talk. Do me a favor and help us grow this sucker. Share this show on your social media feeds and with anyone else who'd love to hear it. Thanks for giving us a listen. And until next time, remember to get out there and make it happen.